0: Welcome to the New Abbey Podcast. We are a Jesus community telling the biggest story of God in Los Angeles. We're excited that you're joining the conversation with us today. Enjoy. And so with that, we're gonna move into conversation time. You're gonna find three or four people around you if you're comfortable. If not, great time to go to the bathroom, grab a coffee. Uh, If you are at home, we're gonna break you out into Zoom groups, and we're gonna answer this light question for you on a Sunday morning. What are you reconstructing in your life? And you got four minutes. Enjoy. It was October 11th, 1962, everybody's favorite day when the Catholic Church officially opened the Second Ecumenical Council, formerly known as Vatican II. Everybody said, now that's a way to start a sermon. All right. Vatican II was a huge moment within the Catholic Church because it was a moment where the church came together to say, we need to get a little bit more fresh, that we need to see the world in a different way. What they were doing was deconstructing. They're saying there's some things that are not working for our people anymore. We're doing all of these masses in Latin. We're talking about things that they don't understand. There's all these Catholics out there that don't understand what it means to be Catholic, and so they wanted to simplify some things. Is that we're going to let some things go, and we're going to be about some other things? That the process of deconstruction and reconstruction is not something new to the 21st century, and some recovering evangelicals—not that I know any—the process of deconstruction and reconstruction is something that is always happening in the church, is always happening in humanity. We have these moments where we ask ourselves these bigger questions: Does the thing work anymore? And for so many of you in this room, you come from environments and communities of faith and churches where the thing no longer worked. And you have this bigger question, do I still get to keep the thing? And the answer is yes, my friends. There are some things to re-pick up. And in that Vatican Council, they changed things like the languages that they were using. They said, we can no longer just speak in Latin. People don't speak Latin everywhere. We should speak in the language of the people. Even something like that, that 70 years ago seemed so revolutionary, was a massive shift forward. And in the church today, sometimes I'll have conversations. I was interviewed by some news, news group this week, and they were talking to me about women in ministry. I'm like, we're still talking about that? That's what you're interviewing us about? Women, half of the population, the ones that made all of the babies? They don't get a talk? Yeah, cheers to you. Cheers to you. Yeah. We're all here. You. That's right. Love that. Not the point of my sermon. I don't know where I got on that. But anyways, (laughs) it's crazy. There are some things that we need to let go of, and there's some new things that we need to step into. And so we're in this new series about reconstructing Jesus, that I want to be a part of the process of deconstructing, that together we want to let some things go, but we also need to pick some things up. And we also need to say, yes, there's a way of being, there's a way of practicing that Jesus offers us in this world. We used to call it salvation, but that holds a little bit too much for you. You're like, oh man, don't get to go to heaven one day and like cream cheese and cherubs and clouds or whatever's up there. I don't know. But maybe words we need to use is liberation. Liberation. There's a different kind of salvation that's out there. A liberation that's for all of humanity. A liberation that frees us to see the divine. A liberation that frees us to see other human beings. That we got bigger things to do as humanity. We don't need to be in wars. We're trying to go to Mars, my friends. We got some things to accomplish as a species. And that Jesus invites us into a bigger story of God, and that's the work we're doing with one another. And so today, to think about reconstruction, we're going to think about the Spirit, because today is Pentecost, which only Frankie knew. (laughs) Exhibit A. The rest of you are like, what's Pentecost? More to come. If we're going to talk about the Spirit and reconstructing Jesus, we got to talk about some things. We're going to talk about Pentecost, pilgrimages, and Peter, because some alliteration. I was an evangelical pastor once. Then we got to talk about Maria Branias. And if we can do that, some old-school wrestling in W.O., my friends. That's clearly a niche joke that three of you are in on. I like that. That's good. The rest of you are like, I don't know. That guy's pretty white. All right, Jesus revolution. And if we can talk about a Jesus revolution, then we can talk about some things that have been unheard and some things that are still unrealized in this revolution. Then we can talk about what it means to be unmerited and inclusive. And if we can talk about that, then we can talk about everywhere and always. And if we can think about everywhere and always, then we can move from a temple to some temples. And if we can do that, then we can change some language from they to we. And if we can understand that, the Friends reunion is coming out May 27th. And if we can do that, then we can pray bigger than yourself. And then a little bit of a reprise, all in 26 minutes. And here we go. I love one clap and then like three other claps and everyone else was like unsure what to do there. So that was good. Just clap, clap and smile right now. Sometimes you just gotta do it. You feel better when you smile. You feel better when you clap. I'm still doing it. Follow along with me in the book of Acts chapter two. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place, all of them being the whole church. That's so like 17 people at this point. Suddenly a sound, like the blowing of a violent wind, came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. Well, amen. Let's do this. Yeah. I mean, that's. Well, I'm already getting amens there. You know, I'm like, I did not even got to the good stuff yet. I like this. They say what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated... And came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. They're like, at a progressive church on a Sunday morning, where are they going with this? Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment, as one would, because each one heard them speaking in his or her own language. Utterly amazed, they asked, are not, these all, are not all these people who are speaking Galileans, which like old school language means these are like uneducated, like boondock folks, all right? Then how is it that they each of us hears them in our own native tongue? Then they list uh, a bunch of languages, which just means all of them. And then at the very end, they're like, man, maybe they're drunk. Okay, you get it. <laughs> Summary, that was not the message version. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. And everyone was filled with awe. And many wonders and miraculous signs, man, tough time reading today, were done by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common, selling their possessions and goods they gave to anyone as he had need. Every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people, and the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved, liberated, freed, seeing the world in a bigger way. A Good news that radically changed and reoriented how they lived into the world and what this kingdom could look like is what they did in that moment. And so Pentecost is this day that happens 50 days after Easter. It was already a festival that was uh, done by the Jews where it was a festival around unleavened bread, everybody's favorite kind of festival. But on this day, 50 days after Easter, the people of God are gathering together and the Holy Spirit comes in a fresh way. A lot of times we read this as if the Holy Spirit came for the first time in this moment. That's not what the passage is saying. The Spirit of God has already been present. In the creation story, the Spirit of God is wind. It is breath. It is the thing that animates all living creatures. In Jewish tradition, the Spirit of God is already within all of us. It's not something that you go magically do. Sometimes we're told stories about God in a way that you do some things, and every tradition has their thing about how you get the Spirit. I'm sure some of you have some fun stories, right? And then when you do that thing, now you get the Spirit But this is a story about people seeing and hearing something fresh, something new that's happening in the world, seeing the Spirit of God in a new way. That's what Pentecost is all about, that there was this pilgrimage that was already taking place in Jerusalem on this day for this Feast of Unleavened Bread. So there was all of these Jews from all around the Roman Empire who were in one place at this time, and then all of a sudden all of these Jesus followers have this moment which is just crazy, right? Right? And in this moment, the Spirit is there in this fresh way, and they're hearing all of these different Galileans, these Jesus followers, speak in a tongue that is native to their land. That's a moment where you would stop and you would listen. You say, what's going on here? And you have a couple choices. Some of them believed. Some of them said something radical and revolutionary is taking place here. And after this happened, the part in between the passages that we didn't read is Peter gets up, you know, the one like, this is my rock upon whom I shall build my church. That Peter gets up, shares a message, and the message is of this good news of this radical Jesus who came into the world and this kingdom that Jesus is offering. And some people heard that, and it was a moment for them where they just said, I'm gonna be baptized. I'm gonna participate in this new world order. I'm gonna participate in this new revolutionary thing that God is doing. Other people had an option, and what they said is, maybe they're just drunk. I could go either way in that moment, to be honest. It's a little bit of a crazy moment. But here's what's powerful in the story, what takes place, is that when the Spirit of God shows up in a fresh way, it isn't because anybody did anything. When the Spirit of God is being revealed, when the Spirit of God is on these 3,000 people, it's not like God was going around and said, now who did their quiet time this morning? Who said the prayer in the right way? who prayed in tongues, who was a part of Alpha Group, how many Awana stars do you have? Many of you have been on these different journeys where God is looking at you and you only receive more of God if you do certain things that make God happy, that God is a genie or God is Santa Claus in some capacity. Not in this story. This revolutionary new world that Jesus is offering is that when Jesus' spirit is seen in a fresh way in this world, it's for everybody. It's democratized that who's in the room is everybody. As Paul will say later, this way of Jesus is for slave or master, for male or female, for Jew or Greek that in the New Testament, there's all of this language about a radically different type of kingdom that can be offered into this world. And yet we spend so much time subdividing one another as human beings, creating different groups, seeing who's in and who's out. But in this story, there's an ampersand. There's both and. There's this opening for all people, There's this unmerited and inclusive radical reality that God is offering in the world. For all of humanity in the last year, we went through something together. And what we went through together in COVID is that the world was exposed. It exposed our own internal realities, probably the places that we're at for good or for bad. It exposed what was already there. We had nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. And for most of us, we saw all of Netflix. (laughs) And in that, we had to sit with ourselves. What COVID also did is it exposed the systems that were going on in the world. We were awake. We saw some things in a different way. It wasn't the first time that a black man had been killed by white police officers, but in that moment, we all saw something new. With George Floyd and we said no longer does this gonna be the case for the Asian American Pacific Islander community there's a moment where we're saying during COVID no longer does this get to happen and on and on we get to name the different systems that are in place that people are awake, we've had the moment to pause, to reflect, to say, oh, the world isn't working equally for everybody. How is it that seven people made $100 billion in COVID and billions of people living on less than a dollar a day have less than when they started with? It exposed the realities that are taking place. And we're all saying together, we don't want to live in that old world anymore. We don't want to live in these systems anymore. There's a new world that we want to be a part of. That is not the normal that we want to return to. We want to move into a new normal that works for humanity. That is the moment of Pentecost. It is the moment of God's Spirit saying, there's a new reality that you can live into. There's this beautiful 113-year-old woman, Maria Branias. Look at her. Come on. What a dream. She is the oldest living survivor of COVID in the world. She lives in Spain. And if you remember, there was a time where Spain was just one of the hardest hit countries. And so she's lived in a lot of isolation, but she's also got on Twitter because, yeah, why not? And she has this beautiful quote that I love. In the solitude of my room, fearless and hopeful, I don't quite understand what's going on in the world, but I think nothing will be the same again. And don't think about redoing, recovering, rebuilding. It will have to be done all over again and differently. I won't be able to help you. In fact, for my age, I will no longer be there. But believe me, you need a new order, a change in the hierarchy of values and priorities, a new human age, health, and strength. You will succeed. Some words from our elders, my friends. She's reminding us of the inequality that's taking place in this world. She's reminding us of the isolation that so many of us experienced. She's reminding us of trying to make sense of so much over the last year. And she's also reminding us that this is a moment where we all pause together and where we can move into a new revolutionary world. For me, that is what the moment of Pentecost was. It's the reminder for these moments in the world. Pentecost, like so much of the life of Jesus, is not just something that happened 2,000 years ago. Pentecost in the life of the church is the reminder that God wants to keep doing fresh things in the world. We're gonna keep reanalyzing, reclaiming, picking things up, reconstructing what it means to be human. There's a better way for us to evolve into. Are we there yet? Of course not, because we're always growing in this thing. We just have a bigger perspective and larger maps and a larger understanding of what it means to be human. And so should our perspective of God grow. We shouldn't be trapped by some things over there and believe that God can only be held within these confines and within some box. We should be open to the reality that God wants to move in fresh ways. Some things that I see in the book of Acts that are beautiful for me is this idea, again, that we no longer live in a world where things are merited and exclusive. As I said before, so many of us grew up in those church environments where how God saw you was merited based on the response of how you were living your life. And there were specific things you should do and there were specific things that you shouldn't do. And for all of us, like abstinence was highest on that list, I think, pretty sure, yeah. And then, I don't know, like the Lord's name in vain. It was a weird list. Instead of things like kindness, right? You're like, be the biggest asshole you can, but don't sleep with anybody. (laughs) That's a weird story. Instead of like, Try out gentleness in this world. Look for kindness. If those were the values of the church, if that was so seeped into our DNA, into our being, that we value things like kindness, that we value the fruits of the Spirit like gentleness, how many people would have voted for Donald Trump? If that was at the core of who we were, if that was the core of what it meant to be a follower of Jesus in this world is that there's a new world order and it's about reshaping our being. And so it's not about something that's merited and it's not about being exclusive. And in the world of church, we can just be honest, there's exclusive things that we've done. We've been the bouncers for some reason about who's in and who's out and who gets to own the thing. And even within Christianity, it gets weird, right? Where we look at one another and we speak about one another in a way that someone is somehow unworthy And just in case you thought that I wasn't gonna give you any pressure, liberal friends, sometimes we're the new fundamentalists. We can be just as exclusive about who's in or who's out. Sometimes it's terrifying out there. Did I say the right thing today? or Was there a new change on social media that I'm not keeping up with? And if I didn't keep up with it, am I gonna be okay? Someone's about to say some words back there. But it's Okay. What we're doing is that we're participating in grace. We should evolve forward. We should move at a rapid pace. And we should be gracious to people in their spectrum and in their journey. And it's a hard thing to balance. It's a hard thing to live into that world of both hands. But that's what we want in our lives. We want people to treat us graciously that way. We want people to be generous to us when we're in our journey of becoming woke or evolving. And so can we also offer the same thing to other people? And the story of Pentecost is that the Spirit of God comes into the room, and the Spirit of God is on everybody, and guess what? They were all in different places. Isn't that incredible? That the Spirit of God was there for them, and they were all in different places in their journey, and it became something that was unmerited and inclusive. And what if we lived that way as the church in this world? What if we moved from this language of just here or there, that God only gets to show up here or there? Again, I get it. In the conservative worlds that we grew up in, there were certain prayers that you had to say and God only showed up here or there. And as we're moving to this larger understanding of Pentecost and Jesus and spirit and faith, that God is everywhere and always, would we also be open to the fact that other people are not at the same places as us? And if it's a little bit uncomfortable, that's Okay. I'm figuring it out too. We're all figuring out this thing with one another and thank God that we have each other. Thank God that we get to support one another in this world in a different way. The early church had to go through it. Imagine that there's a bunch of Jews that had a very specific understanding of how the world worked and who God was and Jesus come and this Holy Spirit moment comes and everything that they understood has been deconstructed and reconstructed and the world just feels amorphous and what do I grab onto and how do I understand things? That they're in the same place that many of us have been in. They're reorienting and refiguring out their faith in this world in a fresh and a new way. But this Jesus revolution, that even though we're in the midst of figuring it out, there are some things that we can take with us in the journey. We can see the world as God showing up everywhere and always. We can see the world as God offering God's spirit to all of humanity in an unmerited, democratic, inclusive format. It's a different way to see other human beings, even when they're not in the same place as us. What I loved about that second part of Acts, about what takes place there, they do some things. And some of the things that they do are pretty simple. One of them is fellowship. Old school word that most of us don't use anymore. So let's just say, let's make some friends. One of the things that the church was doing is live in community. And I don't say this in some like deep, spiritual, this is like the truth I'm just saying this, like, out of COVID, sociologically, some of us just need to have some brunch with some other human beings. And when we have brunch with some other human beings, like, you know, you turn and you have a conversation with people you don't know? Buy them a mimosa. Have a little bit extended conversation with them. I think that's where the healing of the world happens when we can open ourselves to other people that we don't know all their stories, we don't know everything about them, we can just be open to their humanity, to the divinity that already lives within them, when we can share a meal, open ourselves up in a small group, go do something online that's more than uh, you know, shallow, but connected in a deeper way with humanity, when we do these things, I think we begin to see humanity in a new way and we begin to trust the spirit of God in new ways because we're just hearing that other people are in different places than us. And so, wherever you're at, I would say, how are you finding community right now? And for those of you that are feeling isolated and you're feeling like it's difficult, we would love to help you. For me, this is one of the things I so believe in about the church. Where else in the world do you find a community that you get to grow in your spirituality? Hopefully, your emotional health, right? Your uh, emotional intelligence. Uh, you're gonna be encouraged to be a part, uh, to join therapy. You get to develop new friendships. You get to feel valued. Like, there's all these things that are individually found in our world. Like, you can go to the YMCA, then you can go to a bar, and then you can get your therapy, like, But it's a rare place, and this is where I think faith communities have a place in our world still, where we can find all of these things together, where we can grow as a human being, that this thing, even as we're deconstructing and reconstructing, doesn't have to be thrown out. And I know that you're not debating with me on that because you're here and you could be at brunch, so thank you. But I believe in the power of community and the power of the church. And for those of you right now who are like, man, I just feel so lost, so lonely, would you reach out? We would love to support you in that. If you're in your journey of loneliness and anxiety and depression and all the things that you went through in COVID, if you're like, man, I don't think like a pastoral prayer is going to do it for me, great, we'd love to pay for your therapy. Seriously, email info at right now. We'd love to begin you on that journey. We'd love to support you wherever you find yourself, wherever you're at. If you're like, Corey, you know, part of the reason that I can't be a part of community is that just the, the stimulus checks have been cut out and I don't have enough money anymore. Great, email info at right now. We'd love to give you $500. We'd love to get you back on track so you can be a part of community, you can find health in your life. That's what we'd love to do for you. Wherever you're at, we want to support you because your healing is dependent upon my healing and my healing dependent upon yours and our healing, the healing of the world. We're all in this thing together, people. And so we need community. What I love about this story is we also need prayer. Woo, prayer is hard for progressives. So let's talk about that a little bit. It's a weird thing because someone's like, I don't know what I believe. Is it the personhood of Jesus? I sleep with crystals under my bed. I get it. All kinds of stuff. Do it. That's fine. My chiropractor, he does so much shaman work on me. I love you, burns feathers over me. Like, burn away. Like, I got a stomach issue. He's like, that's an eagle feather. I'm like, yes, it is. Do that. I believe that you're right. You're a ginger in your ear. Put it in there. I don't care. And I want something bigger than myself. That's why I'm open to those things, but I'm open to the divine, that Jesus has something for me. That what I believe about this story is that they gathered together and God was doing miraculous things in their midst because they were open. They lived in a posture and a perspective that Jesus was offering a new radical world. That the early church grew again, not because they were proselytizing people. It grew because they were having dinners with one another. And at those dinners, it didn't matter if you were a man or a woman or a child or the senator or if you were poor or if you were the slave. You just gotta be there. And because it was unmerited and it was inclusive and God was everywhere and always, that's where the church grew. The church grew because human beings got to realize that they were human beings. That is incredibly revolutionary in the world. And because they believed that, they prayed in that way. They prayed that other human beings would see themselves fully as made in the image of God. They weren't praying around exclusivity. They were praying that other people would see their divine worth and then they just didn't say prayers. They lived out a life where you feasted together in that truth and in that reality. That is revolutionary 2,000 years ago. That is still revolutionary today. And so I think prayer changes some of our postures. I'm gonna get a little woo-woo charismatic with you right now, so just bear with me. I Frankie, again, day of Pentecost. Really, the rest of you don't need to be here. Um, one of the prayers that I've just had lately is this. Pray about something so big over somebody's life that when it comes true, you know that it had to be God. And that's so uncomfortable for me, but I've just been doing it. Where I am so grateful to be a pastor in this community and to be entrusted with the narratives of your lives. And when a couple comes to me and they talk about wanting a child, but experiencing infertility, I don't believe that God is Santa Claus or imagine I don't believe because I'm praying God's gonna do it, but I'm just gonna change the posture of how I see the world and say, God, would you show up in such a way in their life and all of their infertility and everything that's going on, would you provide a child for them? Because it has to be you. For a couple that I gotta pray for this week, for their child and about how they needed just a change in job and a change of income that I believe that one of the businesses that New Abbey owns, That one of the businesses we own the the conversations that we're having is how do we pay this person twenty thousand dollars more a year because that twenty thousand dollars will allow them to be with their child more on the weekends. God, would you allow us to see the reality that this can be a possibility because we're not just gonna talk about these things from the stage, whether it's what we're doing as a church or from a business that we own, what we wanna be about is we wanna be about an unmerited, inclusive opportunity for people's lives to thrive. And on and on and on, I'm just praying and praying and believing over this community. I have no idea how that could happen, God, but I want to believe in a prayer that's bigger than myself so that when it happens, I know that this had to be you. Because Jesus, I believe that you're doing something radical and revolutionary in the world. And I can be a liberal and I can be a progressive. I can still use my mind. I can go to a therapist and my chiropractor can do some shaman shit. (laughs) And it's all good. What a dream. <laughs> and so I invite you into a life of people as you encounter God's spirit in a fresh of way. Would you open yourself up to a life where you share your life with other people around you, especially coming out of a year like COVID. I invite you into a life with God where you just pray. You're like, I don't know what I believe about prayer. Just try for five seconds every day this week, just saying, God, I believe that you're bigger than me. and I believe that you have something bigger for you in my life. This is not me trying to be Joel Osteen, but seriously, praise God for Joel Osteen. A lot of people need to hear that. Yeah. This is me saying, maybe that just for the for a fresh moment in your life as God's exposed some things in COVID, what you need again is just saying, God, I know that you're bigger than me and I, I just want that. I don't know what it means. I don't know all the outcomes and I don't have to. And if we can live in community together and if we can open ourselves to a larger posture of God, imagine what else might happen in the life of our community. That Pentecost is not all magic for me. That Pentecost is practical That it's a moment where the people of God begin to practice and live out this way of Jesus. Not just believing in this way of Jesus, but practicing it in all that we do. And so you're going to get back into some groups and you're going to answer this question with one another. How can you participate in this new world? Enjoy.